Hello, and welcome back to It's Symbolic, where we teach you all of the important life lessons you so desperately need. I'm Jacob Savage. I'm Mir. I'm Ben. We're going to need to have a talk. Very who uh, serious. All, all of us? Can yes. I... Yes, you are. This is just her, right? No. Uh, oh. It, it could be. It was one of you. Uh, I'll never you know, tell. I was poking around, and I found this. Do you know what this is? What? Oh, he he sent us a message on Discord. <laughs> wow, he really planned this out. Let's see. Oh, shit. I didn't mean for you to I, find that. I don't know what the fuck this is supposed to be. <laughs> you not... <laughs> it's a huge yeah, blunt. Oh, there's a... Oh, it's a novelty blunt? Yeah. Yes. Uh, other answers I would have accepted would include an oversized gag. Or a joke that does not work in an audio medium. I thought you were trying to kill Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> no. That would also no. work. It's a blunt. <laughs> Can you smoke Dracula out? Oh my god. Yeah, that's how, Hot that's box how Dracula. Would... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, the raddest Castlevania can't game. <laughs> you can't, he just can't stand weed. Blow smoke he, in his he, face. he rolled with some really. He rolled with a bad crew back in his high school years, and it just gives him bad memories. Yes, this is a blunt. The weed, the reefer. <laughs> is this is this accurate size? The, this is the like some of my friends. Ganja, yeah. the devil's lettuce, the smoky toki, the puff puff pass, the good stuff. A unspeakable yeah, scourge really of violent than any other one we've the done real before. public enemy number one. <laughs> I can't believe you've dedicated so much resource to actually planning for our 420 episode compared to every single other episode we've done. <laughs> should I be imp- should I be impressed? What's 420? <laughs> I don't know. We we are having a serious conversation here. Like this cannot. I'm sorry, that was out of line. We, we are not... This is no laughing matter. You're, you're right. Fuck. That's what I say to all of our podcasts, am I right? We're gonna need to talk about this. This behavior, this... This, it's unacceptable. Oh, I totally so. agree. And I think that we should kick Mir off the show <laughs> as a result. <laughs> well, before we decide sorry, on whether or not... I won't. Th- Oh. I won't smoke doobies on the show anymore, okay? Well, well, Whoever said about on the show? <laughs> we'll need to get that in writing. Before we decide whether or not to kick Mir off, which will be a long, tedious discussion, we're going to have to have a long and tedious discussion about what brought us to this. We're talking about Reefer Madness. the bit and we're off the hook, right? God. You... You wish it was that easy. Worth a shot. Yes. Wait. 
this is a big name, to say the least. Definitely a bit more on the mainstream side of cult. The more that it's, like, popular to follow instead of just weird. Yeah. And, well, I mean, it said something that I actually knew about it. Precisely. So. Uh, you, well, we all know Ben just getting into all that marijuana paraphernalia he can get his hands the on. The weed culture. Yes, yeah, so all that weed culture. I'm so, I'm so big on Every that. time there's a new Seth Rogen movie, he's just... God, can... I not... am Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. Puts on his weed pattern socks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you've heard of this. I take it you do not know who Louis Gasnier is. I do not. Gasnier was actually a pretty big name in, like, really early cinema. How early? Like, he started working in the industry in 1899. That is early. Yeah. Wow. And in addition to kickstarting the career of French comedian Max Linder, he actually created one of the most enduring serials of the era, The Perils of Pauline, which is one of the forerunners in the in the film serial format that lasted, I want to say, from like the 1910s to the 1950s, where it would just be a short film that was before the feature, where you would come in every week and see the continuation of the story. Every week? Yes. That seems like a Films were a lot shorter back then, yeah, and but also cheaper. I can't commit to anything on a weekly basis, let alone going to the movies. I guess there was, like, less stuff to do. <laughs> Everything yeah. fucking sucked back then, so it's like... In 1914, was, what else were you going to do? It was like your one respite from your horrible life. <laughs> from your lifespan of, like, 50 years. Working mostly in a factory. Yeah. You know, if you were lucky, you still had both your hands. Yeah. But if you think of the sort of archetypal image of these film serials, where there was the damsel in distress tied to the railroad tracks, being menaced by all sorts of villains, well, the Perils of Pauline did not really have the tied to the railroad tracks, but it's very associated with it. And oddly enough, this and the follow-up that Gasnier directed, The Exploits of Elaine, neither one really had the cliffhanger format that the serials were associated with. But what was considered to be groundbreaking and innovative in the 1910s, over the next couple of decades, people found it harder to adapt. His company went out went bankrupt in the 1920s. His primary star was involved in a double suicide around the same time. Jeez. That's a tough break. And despite the fact that he was now moving over to Hollywood, he did not speak English very well. So by the 1930s, his contract was canceled and he had to take the first thing that came his way. And... What came his way was in either 1936 or 1938, accounts vary, a church group financed and produced a film called Tell Your Children, which is meant to be a morality tale. Now, before we get into it, 
1938 or 1939, it was bought and recut with more scantilous, controversial, scintillating scenes spliced in by the filmmaker Dwayne Esper. Esper was associated with producing the really early exploitation films. Ones that he directed include Marijuana, Sex Madness, and How to Undress in Front of Your Husband. I'm not sure if I see where Marijuana fits into this. Probably his best known film that he directed was Maniac, also known as Sex Maniac, unrelated to the other Sex Maniac that he released four years later, which involves a scene that has a man that takes out a cat's eye. Uh, yeah. I don't like I mean, that. The cat's fine. It, it was played by a one-eyed cat. Oh, that's good. I'm glad yeah, that there, are, there are roles for, for one-eyed yes, cats. Yes, there are roles there. for one-eyed cat. Yeah, that one's pretty much just like the... It, it's literally just the Edgar Allan Poe story, the black cat. Bit of the telltale heart involved. Uh, that's still nasty. <laughs> yeah. That still sounds very nasty. The exploitation films of the 1930s and 40s. It's worth noting that Hollywood films were very strictly regulated. The Hays Code was established in 1930, and as a result, the anything-goes nature of filmmaking was severely hampered. Unless, of course, it was educational. Oh, so, I see where this is going. Exactly. You can't see it, but I'm wiggling my eyebrows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sex educational. <laughs> oh, precisely. Some of the other such movies of the time include Child Bride, Mom and Dad, uh, and She Should Have Said No. I don't like these. Yeah. They were, you know, they were precautionary tales. <laughs> All of these really horrific things happening, that's what you're not supposed to do. Someone said a precaution to this guy that I would sock him one for making these. Yeah, I mean, needless to say, these were popular with teenagers because they were a good way to see a breast. <laughs> God, finally. And they would, like, literally tour the country with doctors. Because back in this era, films were released and then... They were gone forever, but this way you could tour them, you could educate, and would have roadshow screenings where you would travel around and get even more money while people flocked to them. Just gather up the buds and hit up the nearest uh, titwatch screening. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you? You know, let's say whenever this was released, it's... A bit unclear. Some sources say 1936, some sources say 1938, some sources say 1939. And there's also about half a dozen different titles that it's known under. Now, while it is primarily called Reefer Madness, it was originally made as Tell Your Children. And other titles include The Burning Question, <laughs> Dope Addict, Doped Youth, and love madness. Well, I feel like one of those sort of neglects the whole marijuana component. Yeah, I mean, love madness just 
sounds like a very misanthropic sort of thing. Just the one weakness of humans is our capacity to love. It drives us mad. I would have a hard time believing that that one would be educational. Well, you know what comes with love. Madness, apparently. Well, I guess, yeah. May as well get right into it, though, shall we? You and all other school parent groups about the country, and you must stand united on this and stamp out this frightful assassin of our youth. You can do it by bringing about compulsory education on the subject of narcotics in general, the great marijuana in particular. We open with text. Three minutes of text. No one fucking complained when Star Wars did it. I was about to say Star Wars style. Star Wars Star- didn't move as slowly. I kind of want to see that in, like, when episode 9 comes out, I want to see a review that's like, I thought it was the first couple of minutes being test was really boring. I don't know why they decided to make that decision. <laughs> well, no, the thing is that this one has, like, three or four different fake-outs. If you want me to, I can just read it. Right now, I have the script in front of me. Uh, I'd prefer if you didn't, I think. (laughs) Okay. Alright. I'll grant you this leniency. But it does give us the symptoms of what marijuana does to the unsuspecting youth. Sudden, violent, uncontrollable laughter. Sure, (laughs) comes. Dangerous hallucinations. Dangerous, huh? Yep. Emotional disturbances. The total uh-huh. inability to direct thoughts. The loss of all power to resist physical emotions, leading finally to acts of shocking violence. Ending up oh, wow. in incurable insanity. <laughs> incurable. Yeah. Yeah, that happened to me. Oh. <laughs> Did it. I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's funny because this is around the time that people started really campaigning against drugs. I believe it was the newspapers of Hearst that in the 20s, they said that the drug was so frightening that the sight of it alone would frighten Frankenstein's monster. It is a pretty weird looking plant. (laughs) Then by the 40s, they actually knew what the symptoms were and they just said oh it'll make our soldiers too lazy to fight that's how that's how you create world peace (laughs) (laughs) just pass the weed around i guess yeah this world peace assessment may be argued against by our hosts for the evening the parent teacher association is holding a meeting where the principal dr alfred carroll is giving a lecture First, he talks about how marijuana is produced, and appropriately enough, just, yeah, I mean, don't do marijuana, but here's where it is and how to get it. This is the most accurate part of the film, so. He does also mention a drug bust where the police got rid of all the weed being grown by throwing it in the incinerator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, wasn't that about heroin? Like a huge amount of heroin. And We're not talking it. about heroin, Mir. <laughs> I know We're that's why I was so confused. Because I was like, 
what does heroin have to do with this? No, I, th- I thought I think we were w- talking about marijuana. I think it was the weed they tossed into the incinerator. Hmm. Which, I mean, I'm not sure if they understand, like, how it works and what the result of that will be. <laughs> Either that or they knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> You know, I kind of, I kind of like that concept for someone who like just doesn't know what weed is whatsoever. Be like, don't worry, I'm putting this in my special uh, incineration tube that I will now <laughs> put to my mouth as I burn it to dispose of it. Yeah, I- I'm not gonna swallow it. That would just be madness. <laughs> but yes, worse than heroin. Worse than I don't remember Cocaine. what else they listed. Worse than cocaine. Obviously worse than nicotine, since everyone loves to smoke normal cigarettes here. <laughs> it was the 30s. It was healthy. And if if this movie was remade today, do you think everyone would be vaping? Honestly, with the way that they uh, did the smoke effects, they might as well have been. Yeah. Even in these soul-destroying drugs is the menace of marijuana. No doubt many of you do not believe that these things do happen, but they cannot happen to you. You may also believe that the facts have been exaggerated. Let me tell you of something that happened right here in our own city. You probably read about it in the paper. However, I'll give you the real facts behind the case. There was an apartment near one of our high schools. It was run by a These cautionary tales aren't enough, so Dr. Carroll decides to get specific with a real story that happened around that here. That happened ver- just here? Yes, here. Very near here. It is a story that starts with this unmarried couple who's living together. I'll give you a moment to catch your breath. May Coleman, played by Thelma White, and Jack Perry, played by Carlton Young, live together and sell marijuana. Like all good couples do. It's a living. The difference between them is that May sells it to adults. Jack sells it to teens. He's gonna get all the teens turned to dope. Everyone calls him out on this, and but nobody stops him. Like, even the guy that he gets it from... It's like, you're the person with the most ability to stop this if you were so inclined like you say you are. But nope. Nope. A couple of your customers, May. Yeah? They're old enough to know what they're doing. Not like those young kids you bring up here. All right, all right. Listen, I'm going to blow. Where are you going? i got to make some deliveries, and I'll probably drop by Joe's place and bring back a couple of the kids. Oh, I wish you'd lay off those kids. Oh, why don't you get over that mother complex? Jack is assisted by Ralph Wiley, played by Dave O'Brien, who is a former college student that got tempted over to the dark side by the marijuana, and Blanche, played by Lillian Miles, who is there. Blanche isn't really explained. I guess she and Ralph are just a package deal. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Really, the way that they sell this marijuana is by not selling it. They hang out in the local soda shop where they're in leagues with the owner and just sit and watch the most entertaining piano player ever. They fucking love this guy. I mean... (laughs) And this guy loves playing piano. Yeah. I mean... 
I don't know if it was supposed to be implied that he was a dope fiend. Yeah. He was on something. And and he's just having a good time, and I'm happy for him. It's like, every couple of minutes, whenever they're in there, the camera would just cut back to him, and he is fantastic. <laughs> he's just loving it. Yeah. Like, if that's what weed does to you, they're not doing a good job of trying to put anyone off of it. Really, they just hang out in the soda shop, approach teenagers, ask if they want to come over to their place, and then they just give them the weed. They're never so- shown actually selling it. It's a charity. <laughs> like, how are they making a profit off of this? Weed isn't exactly cheap. Easy. I don't know the prices of narcotics. In case you haven't noticed, I am no fun. Well, we already knew that. It's in... Among the teenagers that they managed to win over are Bill Harper, played by Kenneth Craig, and Jimmy Lane, played by Warren McCollum. Bill is dating Jimmy's sister, Mary, played by Dorothy Short. And they are losers. Even by the standards of the 1940s, sure, they're smoking cigarettes like everyone else, but... That just to be they, expected. They like, also uh, get really excited about to be root human. beer and hot chocolate. Yeah. I hate these squares. <laughs> well, I'll try anything except domestic science. Why, Bill, don't you want to learn something about running your own home? The answer is no. <laughs> you know, after that session we had yesterday, I went home and told Mother that the trouble with her pot roast gravy was... She hadn't added three heaping teaspoonfuls of olive oil. <laughs> what did she say? She didn't say anything. She just threw me out of the kitchen. <laughs> well, I don't wonder. Hello, children. Hello, Mother. Hello, Mrs. Lane. That was sweet of you, Mother. Gosh, hot chocolate. Thanks, Mrs. Lane. I know you can't study on empty stomachs. Now then, enjoy yourself. He will. They also spend a lot of time... Their courtship is primarily comprised of misunderstanding the point of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, when I think of Juliet, gee, I, golly, I think of you. you know, I Jeepers. Here, I think of you. I just sort of feel as though you're there beside me. Well, listen. It is my soul... It calls upon thy name, how silver sweet sound lovers' tongues by night, like softest music to attending ears. Romeo. My dear. What o'clock tomorrow shall I send to thee? By the hour of nine. I will not fail. Yeah, the thirties fucking blue. <laughs> I don't know if it was the 30s or just these two. Just everything about it sucks. Well, they have some hopping parties. Yeah, but you could you could there's there's still like weed at parties today. (laughs) They were ahead of the curve. Or are you saying that these parties suck too? I don't know what you're looking for here. And apparently neither do you. Jimmy is the first to be hooked, and he takes Bill along with him. Where. 
they have some good times at the party with some chicks. Bill, pretty much right off the bat, just starts cheating on Mary with Blanche. Is that what Weed does? Yes. Weed is the leading cause of infidelity in America. That's one of the side effects of weed, infidelity. Exactly. Do you know Uh, why our divorce rate is so high? Because of that strain. This party is so popping that May and Jack run out of weed. Fresh out. As Jimmy has a car, he's able to take Jack over to his dealer, who chews him out for giving these things to kids and then gives it to him anyway. Money all spends the same. I mean, I don't, not that I know where they're getting the money from, since once again, they don't sell it. I have seen one theory that they just, because they're clearly in cahoots with the soda shop owner, they get these kids real high so that they get the munchies. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) And then they turn them loose in the soda shop. That's good thinking. Just have them go ham on that soda fountain. I'm going to need your entire store's worth of fries. (laughs) Exactly. That's where the big bucks are. Like, come on, how many restaurant chains nowadays exist solely to profit off of people who are high as fuck and have the munchies? <laughs> shit, you're right. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't tap that's White Castle. That's how Taco Castle. Bell stays in Yeah, that's what, like, business. that's what all delivery services are for. When I had to sell that rotten gin, right to the door, you know what, I don't need dough that bad. Taking two-bit pieces from kids. There are millions of two-bit pieces just begging to be taken. Don't be a dope. I'm just dope enough to draw the line selling optic kids. All right, Pete. You know what my policy has always been. The boys are not satisfied. I'm always glad to have them retire. Retire permanently. So long. I only wish you had a couple of kids so I could... Yeah! Back to this delivery service. Jimmy asks Jack for a cigarette, but he gives him a joint. So, when they drive off... I mean, Jimmy you think you'd be able to tell the difference. Yeah. It's a very fancy cigarette. Or not very fancy, it's just probably, like, hand-rolled. <laughs> Everything was hand-rolled back then. Oh, I wouldn't know. The influence of the weed causes Jimmy to drive so erratically, and he hits a guy. Let's go, Jack. I'm red hot. Better be careful how you drive it. The first thing you know, you'll be ice cold. I part think. where he's like, look out, you're going to kill someone. And then he, and then he hits <laughs> He someone. immediately does. Yeah. <laughs> well, I told you. What can also, you do? I also really liked the shot of the speedometer, where it's like, oh no, he's going 40. <laughs> I, I loved the like transition of just the guy getting hit with a car. Yeah, he just sort of like, just tumbles over. <laughs> and they it's go a good back scene. and run over. It's a good it's scene. So funny. 
They go back and forth on whether or not the guy died. I think in the end they say he did, but... Oh, did they? I thought they said he lived. They said he lived, and then like ten minutes later they said he died. Okay. It's funnier if he died. (laughs) I mean, the other way around would be more concerning. It's a miracle. I just brought him back to life. (laughs) I mean, the very first thing he did when he came back was ask for a joint, so he didn't come back completely right. Better off dead. The smell of reefer revived him. (laughs) Just like mom used to make. I reminded of home. (laughs) Jack keeps Jimmy out of trouble in return for not being connected with the apartment ring. And we don't really see Jimmy again for the rest of the movie. I know. I I thought that his character really contributed so much. Yeah, I mean, he he gets off scot-free. Congratulations, you killed a guy in 1936, (laughs) and you didn't get punished for it. That's probably not that hard to do. In 1936? In film? Oh, in film. I thought about in real life. I was just thinking, like, they don't have any way to prove anything. Everything sucked then. People were probably dying all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, that's how. That's what happened in The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the difference was in The Great Gatsby, they kind of knew who did it. Not really, they killed the wrong guy in retaliation, but... Anyway. Mary, noticing just how weird Jimmy is acting, and getting very confused as to why Bill doesn't want to play tennis with her anymore, decides to look in to where these two are going. The soda shop owner points them over to Maze, where she meets Ralph. Ralph gives her a joint, and she laughs hysterically for like two minutes. That's that's just, that's part of weed culture. That's what you have to do, otherwise it's rude. Is it part of weed culture? Is it just because you had nothing better to do with yourself in the 30s? Uh, sure. The laughter from the smoke makes me forget that we're in a depression. There you go, it's escapism. <laughs> Even though Bill's right in the other room with Blanche, Ralph decides that he's had his eye on this little lady for a while. He's feeling frisky. You know, even though he's old enough to be in college and she's in high school. Yeah. There's a lot wrong with this. There's a lot. And she isn't down with it. But he insists. While he's trying to get what he wants by force, Bill comes in and is hallucinating that Mary is stripping for Ralph. So, he starts to fight Ralph, the two get in a scrape, and to break it up, Jack just decides to hit Bill with his gun, as you do. That's how you use those things. And as he's doing so... Not gonna get a better opportunity to use it. Yeah, I mean, as it goes off... I to fire one of these things. Well, apparently it takes hitting someone with the butt of it to fire it. (laughs) And the bullet goes 
right into Mary, it's, where it leaves a pretty little bullet wound and nothing else. It's motion controlled. You have to <laughs> you have to shake it to get it to fire. It's like a Wii game. Oh God. Well, then then it'll never work. You just keep on trying. This is a hold up. Give me a second. I think it needs to recalibrate or something. See, my problem would be like you you're just trying to like readjust how you're sitting, and then all of a sudden you shot yourself. What we're trying to say is that it's less than ideal. Bill's knocked out. Mary's dead. So Jack puts the gun in Bill's hand and wakes him up so Bill thinks that he killed Mary. As a prank. It it just happens. That's what you get for doing the weed. And everyone that has been doing the weed hides out while the trial for Bill Harper goes underway. There is a long debate about whether the marijuana has caused Bill to lose his mind when he killed Mary because he cannot remember what happened and everyone knows just how dangerous marijuana is. He's doing poorly in school. He's not going to his tennis games anymore. Everyone has an opinion, that opinion being weed is evil, whether or not they are qualified to submit this opinion in court. There's also a fairly lengthy scene in the jury, where one of them tries to pull a 12 angry men by insisting that he's innocent, which leads to a shot where the lead juror sees a noose to remind him of the consequences of what will happen if they name this kid as guilty, and then he goes to continue to argue that he's guilty. Just a little side effect, I guess. You just constantly see nooses everywhere. One for acquittal. But there's a reasonable doubt about the boy's sanity. We can't. No doubt about the fact that he murdered her. He admitted it himself. That wasn't the first time he was there. we got to make an example before boys like that contaminate all of our children. We can't have every murderer hiding behind the gag that he's insane. Sure, they see red before they kill This somebody. is apparently a major trial in the area, if not the world. And as the druggies... Listen in. Ralph begins to lose hold of his sanity. He wants to go to the police and say who actually did it. Jack is advised to shoot Ralph, but while he's out taking care of stuff, we get probably the most famous scene from this movie, where Blanche tries to cheer up Ralph by playing some piano music. It's not fast enough for Ralph, so she speeds up. Never fast enough. Yeah, she speeds up. Never fast enough for you, Ralph! (laughs) God damn it! And I will say, she's very skilled to be able to keep up with that tempo change so efficiently. Yeah. Between her and the pianist in the soda shop, uh, were they trying to make some sort of connection? Were they saying something about those that play piano? This ragtime music, if you will. Master! Play it back! 
little piano serenade is interrupted by the reappearance of Jack, who is going to kill Ralph. But Ralph can tell this because the weed gave him spider sense or something. So instead, he beats Jack to death. And the police immediately come in and arrest the three remaining characters. Like a cartoon. Yep. Well, that, that's how it works, isn't it? You, you kill yeah. someone, and then immediately you... the police are there. That's that's why it's so hard to solve a murder. I mean, no, that's why it's so hard to do a murder, because you don't get to cover it up. Yeah, the cops just... Cops aren't real, they just, like, manifest when <laughs> someone commits a crime. Is that what's wrong with the police system these days? They tried to make real cops? Yeah, that was pretty fucked up. May is willing to spill everything. And Blanche ends up regretting everything and basically just screams at the officers, telling them that it was Jack that killed Mary and Bill is innocent, saving him from his sentence pretty much just in time. While she is being escorted to be witness later on for the case against Ralph, she freaks out. Runs over to a window, and then we see a dummy fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another great effect. Yeah. I mean, this was a budget of 100000 killed Mary. And I'll tell you who killed Mary Lane. It wasn't Bill. It was Jack. Jack Perry. He shot Mary, and then he put the gun in Bill's hand. We were all at the apartment one afternoon, and Mary came in looking for her brother. Bill and I... We'd been in another room. And Bill came in. He caught Ralph with Mary, and they started to fight. But it was Jack who had the gun. He was going to hit Bill over the head with it to make him stop. And then, then the gun went off. I saw it. I can see it now. It was horrible. And before he knew it, Bill is Mary informed was... that he has been proclaimed innocent and that they have overturned the jury's ruling. However, he needs to see what punishment Ralph will get as a lesson. And Ralph is going to be put in that's, a... That's just what happens in court, huh? Yeah. I mean, you played Ace Attorney, didn't you? Yeah, that's the part where when someone's... Uh, after you get someone uh, declared innocent... They sort of have to sit in their uh, timeout box for the next case. So this is what almost happened to you. I mean, the whole point is that, you know, you got yourself into this mess. Ralph is placed in an asylum for the criminally insane for the rest of his natural life. And Dr. Carroll's back. He tells us that everything we saw happened. And it could happen again to your children. To who? Whose? Or your children. Or yours. Or Mine? yours. Or yours. Well, th- do you have any? Uh, not that I know of. Then, then you're probably good. Yes. Okay, cool. That happened right here, to your neighbors. It is not too much to say that in your hands lies the possibility of averting other tragedies like it. We must work untiringly so that our children are obliged to learn the truth. Because it is only through knowledge that we can safely protect them. Failing this, the next tragedy may be that of your daughter, or your son, 
Or yours. Or yours. Needless to say, or Reefer yours. Madness is not a good movie. Yeah, it's really bad for, like, a lot of reasons. <laughs> so it is... is it actually intended to educate then? Or was this all just... They wanted to include that objectionable content. Probably the former, since... At least at first. Like, this is not a new phenomenon. This dates back to, like, 1913. The film Traffic in Souls, which was about white slavery. Which was really just made to have an excuse to show women being scantily clad for the era. Cool. Yeah. Like I said, arguably it was originally intended to be a morality tale. But after Esper came along, he was in it for the excess. And in every territory that he released this movie, it got a different title. <laughs> it screened all over the country through the 1940s until it was bought again and used for roadshow screenings in the 1950s. People just couldn't get enough. Exactly. The the marijuana menace was still on a tear. Well, it was, because in 1937, we got the Marijuana Tax Act. Oh, yeah. Which placed a, needless to say, it placed a tax on the sale of cannabis, and stayed in line until the late 60s, I want to say, when it was outlawed in the U.S. Yeah, it was like 1970 that it was federally banned. And that's, like, surprisingly recent. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it yeah. was only 1970. I would have thought a lot sooner. I mean, yeah. Earlier. Earlier, yes. Nobody that produced the film really bothered to uphold its copyright, so it quickly passed into the public domain. And it fell out of history for a while, until 1972, when it was discovered by... Keith Strope, the founder of Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. He found a print at the Library of Congress, bought it, and showed it in college campuses all around California to raise charity for groups that sought to legalize it. And eventually, this popularity was heard of by Robert Shea, who had just founded a new production company, New Line Productions, who bought the rights for... Well, he didn't buy the rights since it was in the public domain, but he got the production company on the map with the 1970s theatrical re-release of Reefer Madness. Is this the colorized one? It is not. Uh, there have been a number of adaptations of Reefer Madness. There was a stage adaptation which ran in Chicago in 1992, and Motley Crue include clips from the film in the video for their song, Smoke the Sky. In 1998, we got a musical version of Reefer Madness, uh, opened in Los Angeles, moved off-Broadway in 2001, and in 2005 was made into a film for television. 
starring Alan Rick, sorry, starring Alan Cumming, Kristen Bell, and Christian Campbell. And I, this is the one that we saw. Yes, not. I mean, this is unrelated to this. That we all watched this together. Yes, and the musical version is very good. It is. Yeah, I very like much enjoyed that. it. It plays the whole thing for comedy. It goes Which, out mean, of its way to avoid being an accurate representation of marijuana. Well, it goes a bit too far sometimes. It's a pretty good time. Yeah, there's a few tasteless yeah. things, but... And it actually won an Emmy. In 2004, 20th Century Fox, in collaboration with Legend Films, or more accurately, on April 20th, 2004, uh, we got a colorized version on DVD. It's, it's Weed Day. Whoa. Okay, yeah. this is the colorized one. Yes. This is what I had seen before this. Well. Uh, which, because the colorization is quite good. Yeah, I mean, it adds a number of... It apparently has 420 subliminal messaging. <laughs> I did not pick up on that. And Maybe that's where I got my huge propensity for weed that I have now is from yeah, that. I mean, we, I've been meaning to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But now we know. Yeah. We've learned something today. Yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, like I mentioned before, uh, the... The weed smoke in the film is yes. perhaps a bit exaggerated. Yes, uh, it is colored. Yeah, they enhance that even further by making it all brightly colored. It's green, it's orange, it's purple, it's blue. It's a, it's a true delight. It also features an audio commentary by Michael J. Nelson of Mystery Science Theater fame. That I have not seen. I, I should see that. Mm-hmm. Listen to that even. Yeah, the colorized version is a bit controversial to some, since while it adds to the campiness factor, it kind of waves the joke in your face. Mm -hmm. And a low-budget remake in 2018 was filmed. That was last year. Uh, Yes, it (laughs) modernized a good portion of the film... It apparently has about 75% scene-for-scene usage of original dialogue with intentionally campy acting. And also apparently has the sort of black and white with the occasional color motif like Pleasantville and Sin City had. And that is expected to be released sometime this year. Hmm. What is there to say about Reaper Madness that hasn't already been said? It's certainly... I honestly kind of think it's goofier, well, I should say funnier, maybe in concept than actually in watching it. I know that there's like a lot of culture around, you know, watching it as a joke film sort of thing. I think it's kind of a bit slow for that for me. I mean, yeah. apparently I... it's a, people have said it's a good movie to watch when you're high, so. <laughs> I can believe that, but I'm not sure if there's anything that's not good to watch when you're high. Yeah, I mean... Admittedly, like, 
Did you have a serious? Did, wait, wait, wait. I think Mir had a serious answer to that. Oh. I mean, I was just gonna say, I feel like there are some things that wouldn't be good to watch when you're high, but I can't think off the top of my head what that might be. There we go, our resident expert opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also Riff Tracks has done this movie like four or five times by now. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's one way to stomach it. I think... Uh, I don't know. It's just a bit, like I said, slow-paced for me as far as a joke movie goes. That's how I feel about The Room, to be honest. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's been a while since I've seen it in its entirety. So. I haven't actually seen The Room. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I read The Disaster Artist, but I haven't seen The Room. That's a different, yeah, that's a very different experience. Yes. Sort of interesting. I was going to get into that because, you know, how just about every generation has that one cult movie that's really well known for being horrible the worst ever yeah like and this is really the first one yeah i mean i certainly can't think of any earlier ones while there are films from before then that are unenjoyable there's very few that are outright bad like this one is Mm. a number of publications Leonard Malt, the film critic Leonard Malton called it the granddaddy of all worst movies. Las Vegas City Life named it the worst ever runner-up, coming second runner only up. to Plan 9 from Outer Space. Hmm. Hmm. Which isn't even the worst Ed Wood movie. We'll get into that some other time, I'm sure. Yeah, but probably. You want to know what rating this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Please, 4.2. 46%. Needed to go for that 42%. Gotta go review bomb it. <laughs> <laughs> well, gotta get a journalism degree and get officially published. That's, that's easy. How hard is it to get one of those? <laughs> How legit are we? Can we put out a review? I mean, you want to test that luck? Maybe someday. Yeah. And if you want to test your luck, I'd say go for the movie. I mean, I guess that if it's... I mean, I don't want to tell you to not watch it, since it's sort of, for better or for worse, a piece of film history. Yeah. But it's not an entertaining yeah. one. It's definitely worth one watch. Yeah. I don't think it's, like, as much of a riotous time with friends as some alternatives might be, as some of its peers might be. It has its moments. Yeah. It certainly does, but it also has some parts that drag. Yes. A lot of parts that drag. A-, a lot of stuff after the shooting. If there's a piano involved in the scene, it's going to be a good time. But yes, yeah. Other than that, people were like jumping that guy's bones, and he was still playing piano, <laughs> and it was so good. <laughs> yeah, but then like a lo- a good like fifteen minutes after the shooting happened, I was just like zoned out. You you lost track of reality. I the did. weed got was... to you. It was that ganja. Well, I'm very glad we had this talk. Me too. Uh, so who wants to smoke up after this? <laughs> Alright. Anyway, In case thank my you. employer ever decides to listen to this show, this was all a joke. Yeah, please. <laughs> this was I, jokes. I, Jacob, put that at the beginning. Tell okay, if my yeah, employer is listening like, that this is I, jokes. I am so straight edge that I am considered n- not fun by collegiate standards. Same, same here. 
I'm the only one who <laughs> is of the drugs are cool camp. <laughs> Which well, is why she's the coolest cool. kid here. I'm not saying they're not cool. I'm just saying that I'm also not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of how cool we are, thank you for listening to It's Symbolic. If you have comments, concerns, suggestions, if you just want to shout 420 at us, we are available on Twitter at It's Symbolic PC or through email at It's Symbolic Podcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram at It's Symbolic PC if you want to see so many images so horrifying that they will make you faint from fright upon the sight of them. But you should still share them, too. So yes, like after please. you get up from fainting. Yeah. Tell I mean, your friends. It, I mean, that's basically kind of what a creepypasta is, isn't it? Or, no. Or more the basis <laughs> of a creepypasta. Mm, still no. It's like, you know, this this image came out of my computer screen and sh- and killed me, and now I'm showing it to you. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. I mm. get it now. Yeah. No matter... How you're listening to us, be it through iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or somehow being performed by a very talented pianist. Be sure to leave a rating, review, subscribe. That's the best way to help the algorithms. That's the best way to help us. And if you help us, maybe we can kick this terrible weed habit once and for all. What fun would that be? I'm Jacob. I'm Mir. I'm Ben. Join us next time where we're either going to give everyone a happy ending or we're going to kill everyone off we haven't really decided yet. Didn't I already die? I feel like we're getting things very confused here. (laughs) It it was a miracle. I think we need to start, like, varying our twists more. (sighs) I mean, I I don't know. We should write these down. You're right. I mean, evidently you have enough time to write down a billion names for lead to list off at the start of the show, but not... (laughs) Oh, no, not major plot points. I improvised that. Which, I I don't know if that's more or less depressing. All that bunch last night was high enough to take over the Marines and the Navy.